live from the Fremont Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. In 1976, I was 14 years old, and I found myself sitting in juvenile hall after being arrested. And I was thinking to myself, what the fuck did I do? Well, it really started six years earlier, when I was eight years old. My dad decided to give one of my brothers and myself up for adoption. Now, my brother Scott and I, we were separated in the foster care system, and I didn't see him for many years, but I did get adopted. However, after several years of abuse, I was removed from that, those adopted parents and placed into the foster care system. And I was 13 years old then, and I was acting out in all the ways that you might imagine a 13-year-old in, in that predicament might act. And after getting kicked out of two foster homes, my social worker came to me and said, you have a very serious decision to make. And uh, she said, you can straighten up your act and we'll allow you to go live in this group home with some other teenagers that were in the same kind of situation, or we can put you in an institution. I didn't know what an institution was, but it didn't sound good. So I chose to try to straighten my act up. So I was 14 and living in this group home, and there was a boy there. His name was Billy. And Billy was awesome. He was 13 years old, and he had this rambunctious boy energy, that rough house and joking around that just really resonated with me. And he reminded me of my brothers, you know? And I really missed my brothers. So we got tight pretty quick. And then a few months into living in this group home, some pretty funky shit happened. And I wasn't involved in it, but my friend, Jimmy, he had taken uh, the abuse of one of the other teenagers that were living in that house. And Jimmy wasn't gonna have that. He was not gonna stick around and wait to become a target again. So he was gonna run away. Well, Jimmy was really, he was the only person that I've had any kind of connection to. And it uh, didn't seem like something I wanted to be separated again from somebody. <clears throat> so I chose to run away with him. We had a plan. It was simple. We would make our way from Central California down to Southern California to Los Angeles. And once in LA, we knew we had to make money, of course. So Jimmy's plan was to sell drugs, and mine was to sell my body. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not a good idea, but it sure seemed like a good idea at the time. 
So off we went. And on our little runaway adventure, well, we hitchhiked and we stole a car and we shoplifted and we damaged property. And in the waning hours of that very first day of being on our own, <laughs> we were siphoning gas and swapping out license plates in the Motel 6 parking lot when the cops showed up to bust us. Well, back at the police station, there I was handcuffed to a nice heavy bench, and I was alone. They had separated Jimmy and I, and in fact, I never saw Jimmy again after that. Oh. <laughs> the arresting officer came in and uh, he let me know that because Jimmy was 13 and I was 14, that I would be the one responsible for the crimes we had committed. And I just, uh, at that time, I didn't really quite understand what all that meant or how that might affect me in my whole entire life. Uh, but I did realize one important lesson, and that was that my actions affect my circumstance. And I think that's an important lesson to get. Some people get it sooner, some people never, some people later. The other thing that did not uh, pass me by was the fact that I had willing, willingly walked away from the one place that I was still welcome, which was that group foster home. So there I was in juvenile hall, standing in the doorway of my single cell room. And I was scared and I felt really awkward. And if I could have stayed in that damn room <laughs> the entire time I was there, I would have done it. But that wasn't allowed there. So with great trepidation and unease, I left that room and walked out into that great hall that is Juvenile Hall. And I made myself as small and as quiet and as unconfrontational as possible because I did not want conflict with anybody, especially in there. So I found my way over to an uh, area next to the wall where I could kind of be off from everybody, uh, all the girls that were mingling around. And one of the things that struck me about this room was how bright and un unnaturally bright the room was. It was all these really bright fluorescent lights, rows and rows of them, coming down from the white ceiling and reflecting off of those institutionally white walls and bouncing up off of that high-gloss linoleum white floor. And there was no space, no corner, that was not affected by that brightness. 
I noticed, too, the girls that were there. Frankly, some of them scared the shit out of me. And uh, <clears throat> they seemed to have, like, this hardness, uh, an edge, very sharp, that really conveyed, I don't care. And I wasn't there. I, I did care. And even though all the other crap, it's like there was still, um, it's like a light uh, or um, a heat, a flame, something inside of me that uh, just had in it life, you know, and, and uh, wanting to laugh and wanting to joke around and just live. And now, I'm not saying I'm any different than all those other girls that I saw. It's just that it was like their light had been extinguished. And I couldn't really articulate it at that time, but it was like if you're in a nice dark space and you strike a match and that warm flame lights up, and it casts shadows, and it dances on the wall, and it's warm. It has character, dimension. But then somebody flips on the light, right? No more shadow, no more dancing. All that dimension is gone. And it was like that with those girls, like the the brightness of their lives and the decisions that they made and that other people made in their lives, you know, had somehow diminished that light. And I frankly didn't want that to happen. And not that that was like the thought that I had. It was more of a feeling, you know, an instinct that... I knew that if I stayed in a place like, like that for too long, I would lose it and I would become hard, you know? So for two weeks, I was in this juvenile hall and during that time, I had several court appearances and the judge somehow was on my side, I guess, because he reduced my charges, some of which were felonies, to uh, misdemeanors and then uh, released me to the care and custody of the group foster home that I had run away from. Yeah. And I made a decision on that day and I can remember it like, like it was yesterday, honestly. And that was that I would do what I could to stay on the right side of the law so that I would not have to return to a place like that. You know, not because I have some moral compass or some goody-goody whatever. It's just that I did not want that little thing, that little flame, that little fire in my soul to die. It's been 40 years now, and I've done all right. I've had the same ups and downs that everybody has. No jail, no institutions. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And that light, 
that light that is inside here, it's so fucking strong, you know? And it's strength, and it's creativity, and it's love, and it's life. Can you see it? Yeah. yeah. That's it, folks. <laughs> Thank you.